You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hello, Are You Happy Podcast. I'm here today with Josh Fisher. He is the founder of I Josh Around, and he's an independent producer right now, mostly making children's TV anime content. Josh, would you mind introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit about your origin story, how you got to the point you are now making these types of productions? Sure, sure. So I'm Josh Fisher. I uh, I grew up in New Jersey and uh, went to college in Boston. I was living in New York for a little while, working on a bunch of random television shows. Uh, I worked on Extra and I decided to move out to L.A. because I wanted to be a storyteller and came out here many, many years ago and sort of stumbled into animation. And it really kind of just felt like the clothes that fit me. I started out my first animated series. I was a development assistant on a show called Life with Louie, and uh, which aired on Fox Kids a million years ago. From there, I wound up getting a job at a company called Mainframe, which was one of the first sort of innovative CGI animation studios. And I got to work on Beast Wars and Beast Machines in the Transformers world. And what's interesting is we pitched and sold a show to what was then Fox Family Channel. And the executive who bought the show was moving over to the primetime team. And she said, hey, I think you'd be really good at this job. And I'd love to recommend you to replace me. And that's kind of how I became a network executive. And I was there as an executive at Fox Family Channel for a bunch of years. And then they were acquired by Disney and our team was thanked for their services. So I moved on. I got uh, my wife and I got married and um, I started as the head of development for a company called Mike Young Productions, which is now called Splash. And I got to work on some really cool properties like uh, Jakers, which won an Emmy. I got to play around with Clifford the Big Red Dog a little bit. We did a show for Cartoon Network called Pet Alien. And um, we also did a show called Todd World and a show called Growing Up Creepy, both of which were uh, were nominated for Emmys. And then uh, I won an Emmy for another show we did there called I Got a Rocket. And then from there... I was still in the kids' TV space, but at that point, like Neopets and Club Penguin were kind of like big deals in the online digital space for kids. I wound up launching my own virtual world with a buddy of mine called Urbaniacs, and um, sort of a bright light was sort of shined on me in the sort of online game space in the early days, like 2005. And then I wound up getting a job for the National Football League. I wound up getting a job at this company called Brandissimo, and we were a three-person company. And we were called in by the National Football League to help them figure out a relationship with kids. Hmm. And uh, they wanted us to do an animated DVD. You know, it's the biggest sports brand in the U.S. by like a huge factor. We were like, yeah, we could do an animated DVD. You'll sell like 500,000 units or whatever. And in six months, no one's going to care. So we pitched them the idea of doing an online virtual world all themed around the NFL. Right. Like we took their team icons as the superheroes of the world and um, they flew us down to the to the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl, the Colts versus the Bears. And uh, we pitched our whole idea of a virtual world to like all the senior executives at the NFL. And basically, as a three person company, we like walked out of there with a two million dollar a year job. And we grew from like a three person company to like a 28 person company the next month. And I spent the next seven years overseeing the creative 
for like the kids and youth strategy for the National Football League. We did multiple iterations of the NFL's game world. We did about 125 online games for them and some apps. We built a playground. We did like in-stadium experiences and Super Bowl experiences. There was an animated series that was based on the creative that we did that aired on Nicktoons for a bit. And then at some point, I got recruited by a headhunter to uh, to join a company called Spin Master. So I left the NFL and uh, became the head of development at Spin Master, which uh, created Paw Patrol, which I think everybody yeah. has heard of now. Uh, Paw Patrol, I created a show called Rusty Rivets that was on Nickelodeon, a bunch of other shows. So I was at Spin for four years, had an extraordinary time, worked on great projects with some great people. Then I left and went to a, a studio, which is now called... Wild Brain used to be called DHX. They acquired Peanuts and Strawberry Shortcake while I was there. I worked on developing Mega Man and helped sell that to Cartoon Network. And we, we pitched a show to Netflix and Netflix did not buy the show. But I got a call like a week later asking to come have coffee. And long story short, that's how you become a Netflix executive. I was part of the team to oversee preschool and bridge content at Netflix for a bunch of years. And then, you know, there was a little bit of a change and I was not at Netflix anymore. And since then, I've kind of been doing my own projects and consulting for different studios. And I have the rights to about five different book properties that have helped set up. And, you know, my job uh, day in and day out is to make content for kids. And uh, I sort of love it. That's incredible. What is your personal spin on the, because obviously you're always working with teams, but what do you usually like push for if there's a certain project? where you're making content for kids. And if you don't have a direct answer to that, can you share a little bit about what that industry is like and how do you balance attracting kids' attention, but at the same time being morally correct, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not an educator, right? Like my job is to create content that kids get to do when they have free time. But I think that my responsibility is to plant seeds to grow better human beings. You know, and so I'm really proud of a lot of the projects that I've worked on. And I think first and foremost, we want to be entertaining to a young audience. And, you know, whether you're doing Game of Thrones or big primetime drama or a sitcom or, you know, a kid's animated series, good writing is good writing. So I think everything kind of starts with good writing in the kids space. It's just like it's the same storytelling concept. It's just different muscles talking to a younger audience. And I think, you know, for me, it's uh, it's not talking down to an audience. It's like meeting them where they are, you know? And we all have our favorite shows. I don't know what your favorite show was when you were, you know, eight years old. I don't know. Clifford the Big Red Dog was up there for sure. Clifford's, it's a fun show. So Clifford has like an earnestness to it. And I think, so what I love about Clifford is it's a little girl who is kind of, in charge of this big, powerful, sweet thing, you know? And I think if you're a kid, that story is empowering and engaging because most kids are not in control of most of their life, right? You get told, oh, time to go to piano, time to go to soccer, time to do this, time to do that. And so if you get to be in charge of something that's big, that's like a really aspirational relationship, you know? I think the other thing about it is you get an opportunity to be silly on a daily basis and and silly in a way that like make kids laugh. And that to me is is a great gift. It's an interesting sense of humor to have, like a sense of humor that kids will laugh at. Yeah. I, have a, I have a niece that's like eight years old and 
we play a game where it's like we put water in our mouth and then one of one of us puts water in our mouth and the other one tries to make the other person laugh and spit it out and it's <laughs> funny, like how my sense of humor is like gone to like farting and stuff like random little stuff like right. that but yeah i think it's really interesting that you've been in this space for a large portion of your life i got into kids tv before i had kids and then i had kids and it was like the best focus group you know because you're like day in day out see what they're doing and then my kids are now older and and i'm still doing kid stuff there's a lot of people in this space who have kids there's a lot of people in this space who don't have kids and i think everybody who i know in the space and the people who i admire in this space they all do it because they are passionate about delivering good stories to kids yeah good stories that plant those like seeds that help them grow and blossom into it's yeah. it's very heartwarming to to know that your industry actually like means very well yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, like I uh, have a project that it has like a little bit of a civics curriculum for kids, right? And you look at the world today and uh, the theme of the show is everything works if we all work together, right? And this was like my response to the current political climate and it was like, you know what, we're going to make a TV show about it and we're going to, you know, just, again, plant seeds for kids to like look at their communities and think about instead of what divides us, like what are the things that we can do together to to be better. That's awesome. What do you see as the future of like content that children will consume? To me, from my observations, I'm seeing that once people hit the age of like 10, 12, they're starting to consume more like YouTube content and starting to see influencers. But I feel like my age group and the vast majority of people right now who are like adults aren't watching as much TV or like TV shows. But I think kids are going to be the ones that kind of are going to need TV shows for a longer period of time because it's more curated content and parents are more comfortable giving their child like curated content instead of some random kid in like California that wants to make content making slime. Like right. not necessarily as comfortable. So letting that random kid have influence on their children. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we're kind of at a pivotal moment right now. You know, you just had the writer's strike, which just came to a good resolution. You know, we're hoping that the actors will resolve their issues soon, but there's more content out there and we're, we're bombarded by more content on a daily basis than ever before. And, uh, you know, for little, little kids, like under, I would say six or six or so, parents are still kind of the sort of guardian of the content that they consume. But like, once you're six, seven, eight, nine, eight years old, like you have the keys to the internet and you have the keys to YouTube and you have Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Disney, Nick, whatever, like you're driving yourself. And I think YouTube is a massive draw, you know, people are spending more times on more time on screen, but they're not necessarily watching linear content. And I think to me, I think linear content is kind of a critical piece of who we are as people. And it's, uh, it's like the connective tissue that keeps people together. You know, we all spent like 10 years talking about Game of Thrones and people don't really go back and watch, you know, like Matthew Perry just passed away. Super sad. Like a lot of people in and around my age, like Matthew Perry was such a huge piece of their younger adult life. Like Friends was such a such a big show. Everybody talked about it. And kids don't really go back and watch a TikTok, you know, they don't really go back and watch an influencer in the same way. I know that content is shared, but it's not 
it doesn't create the same social currency that like linear content does as we get older. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting. I don't have any predictions of where it's going. I just know that it's kind of fundamentally changing and it'll be interesting to see where it goes and, and how it evolves. Yeah, because I think television on like a cable box that we used to watch is not going to be a thing of the future for sure, in my opinion. But like my niece is still accessing shows through like streaming services. Oh, yeah. I think the, the on-demand world is definitely like you want the show you want whenever you want it. I think what's funny is even though that feels better and that like as an audience, as a viewer, you're like, oh, I want that show right now. But when you have to wait a week to see the next episode of content, it tends to a last longer and create more of a franchise. And it tends to connect people more deeply than just the binge model. That's just my yeah. opinion. You know? No, I think I would agree with that. Like what you're talking about with linear content, if, if people have to wait a week for the next, like, or wait a few months for the next Stranger Things season. Yeah. Like talking about the last season and like what they think is going to come. I think that curiosity like works well. And it creates buzz, right? It gives it gives you something to talk about. You know, if we're both waiting like two weeks for Stranger Things, we're talking about, oh, man, do you think this? Do you think that? But like if you watch Stranger Things and I was gone for the weekend and then, you know, we don't see each other for a week. It's like you're already past Stranger Things and you're on to the next thing already. And I'm like, wait, I'm still like I want to talk to somebody about this show. But, you know, there's no one around. And so I, I feel like that type of content sort of creates community and like brings people together. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Definitely does. I want to circle back real quick to you as a creator, as like an artist, besides like the planting good seeds, is there any other common themes between children's content? And also if you can share a little bit more about your personal touch, like I asked earlier. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in younger kids, there isn't really like a villain. There's somebody who might be selfish or jealous or have a quality that you kind of want your kids to not have. And that person usually by the end of every episode is like has learned their lesson and like, you know, fix their behavior. That's for younger kids, like in the preschool space. But in the older kids space, there's every Marvel superhero. Most Marvel superheroes anyway have had like their own animated series. And so there's good guys and bad guys. Uh I sort of championed a show at Netflix called Daniel Spellbound, which was a really fun show. It's kind of like uh, Harry Potter meets Indiana Jones. And uh, that was a super fun show to be part of. It was like a different spin on magic. And uh, there were some great bad guys in there. And I think like my own personal thing that I try to infuse into everything is like, you know, a sense of humor, a sense of quirkiness. I read this book a while ago. I think it was called Stumbling Toward Happiness. But one of the things that it talked about is like humor and like and joy comes sometimes from the unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. like roses are red, violets are blue, you know. What comes you next? Love me and I love pepperoni. It's like, you know, like you're expecting it to be I love you or whatever. And like yeah. if you see pepperoni, kids are like, what? Um, <laughs> And like that surprise, that unexpected treat, I think carries across a lot of age demos, even into adults. Dumb example is just Halloween and uh, we ran out of candy. We were like running around the house, grabbing food out of the, like cans of food out of the pantry and stuff like that. And we just had a little bit of candy left. I was like, 
hey, we just have a little bit of candy or I have a can of beans. And this kid was like, I'll take the can of beans. And then they all just <laughs> cracked up. Uh, and uh, and then I heard him call out to his friend. He's like, I got a can of beans. And they were like laughing about it, you know, and, you know, they obviously just expected candy. And I think that like that just unexpected surprise, like just tickles, tickles people in a yeah. good way. And uh, I try to be like innovative and and think of like, how how can we have fun in that space? And then I also think real emotions, you know, yeah. I think important for kids TV is like, we're not all just joy all the time and happy it's like kids have all the emotions that adults do you just have to sort of guide them a little differently so interesting like i I wonder what that writing process is like because i feel like we people adults have trouble describing their emotions and then it gets to the point where like you need to describe emotions in like a way a child would resonate with i feel like it's pretty beautiful yeah it's uh it's cool and um you know i you'll also think what's great is like in kids TV, you get to be almost unlimited creativity, right? Because you're not bound by, oh, there has to be this human relationship, you know? Like we've told stories about two shapes who are best friends. And, uh, you know, I worked a little bit on Paw Patrol and it's like, okay, they're talking dogs that drive cars and rescue people. And kids, like we send kids to outer space and we have, you know, there's a show called Larva, which is like a red larva and a yellow larva and they're like best friends and uh you know i just think you're like you know obviously the most popular kids tv show is spongebob and Mm -hmm. uh, it's a talking sponge and his you know best starfish friend and their annoying squid neighbor and like like what a crazy world to get to play in you know what shows did you encourage your kids to watch when they were younger or do you did they kind of just um, very younger? Let's say Animaniacs was one that's was like certainly before their time, but I had all the DVDs and we watched a bunch of those. You know, they they sort of went through different phases. My kids had a big superhero phase for a little while. The Lego shows were good. We liked um, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was a show for a hot minute called Jack's Big Music Show that that my kids really loved, and they're both into music now. So that was probably like an early indicator that music was was something mm-hmm. they were passionate about. Would you say you're happy? Totally. I mean, not, you know, I think I think happiness is something you have to work at on a daily basis, right? I think you, you know, obviously some things come along that are upsetting or challenging. And I think that uh, when those things happen, I allow myself a moment or a day or whatever to uh, be annoyed and frustrated by it. But in general, like I kind of consciously choose to be happy. And I think that makes a difference, you know, when you're down, what's that thing that constantly brings you back? Is it, is it people? It's definitely people. Like I'm, I'm more extroverted, but I also think that it's opportunity, right? When something is challenging, I accept that it's challenging and then I work on, okay, how can I make this, turn this into an opportunity, right? And I don't mind working hard and I really like the work that I get to do and, you know, both personally and professionally. And so I think part of it is I'm generally an upbeat, happier person. And I find my moments like, you know, we talked before we started recording about going to the gym, like 
I wake up very early and I do a little bit of workout, which is like my focus time, my center time. And then I feel like the rest of my day is easy. The hardest part of my day is done by like 6.30, 7 a.m. And so I get to enjoy it. You know, if I'm working on a script, I'm like excited. Like, what can I do? What, how can I find a way to make this better? How can I find something that makes me laugh in it? You know, so much of what I do is like, would I be entertained by this if I was six? And uh, or am I entertained by this right now? You know, and so I love it. And I also love, I think happiness is contagious. And so if I'm having a good time working on a project and the people around me are having a good time working on the project, I think that the, that's that will show up on screen and the audience will like it, you know? Yeah, uh, it definitely seems like you've found like your what you're passionate about and that also contributes to your joy. Look, at the end of the day, my job is to tell stories that that delight kids and and that they get to do when they have free time, right? Like that's kind of a gift. I sort of embrace that, take it to heart and and love to love to share that. That's awesome. I really appreciate your answer to the happiness question and learning a little bit more about like animations for like children. It's been very nice learning from you and I appreciate your perspectives on everything. Is there any way that our audience can reach you via social media or like website? Sure. My Insta is ijosharound. My company website is ijosharound.com. And yeah, I'll happily chat with anyone. Sweet. Thank you so much, Josh, for being on and looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time.